Hey, good day, everybody, and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address foster care and adoption crisis in northwest Georgia, state of Georgia, the southeast, and the world as we practice our theology in the public square. You can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. My name is Mitchell Jolly. And I'm Chris Hayes. How about we get to some headlines? Well, Chris, I've got some headlines from the dispatch this morning. Iranian Revolutionary Guard vessels aimed lasers at the cockpit of a U.S. attack helicopter while it was operating in international airspace over the Persian Gulf on Wednesday, a U.S. Navy spokesperson said Thursday, calling the behavior unsafe and unprofessional and irresponsible. No one was injured. In the incident, the helicopter was not damaged. Also, President Joe Biden delivered a speech in Arizona yesterday calling former President Donald Trump and his extremist movement a danger to democracy. There's something dangerous happening in America right now, Biden said. They're pushing the notion that the defeated former president expressed when he was in office and believes and applies only to him. The president also paid tribute to the late Senator John McCain, announcing plans to construct a library in his honor at Arizona State University. The House Oversight Committee held its first hearing in its impeachment inquiry investigating potential misconduct and corruption by President Biden on Thursday. Three Republicans picked witnesses. Three Republican picked witnesses testified before the committee, uh, though two said the GOP did not yet have enough evidence to support claims of corruption by the Biden family. A sentiment echoed by a fourth Democrat selected witness, GOP witness Eileen O'Connor, former Assistant Attorney General for the Justice Department's Tax Division, testified that based on documents obtained by the House Ways and Means Committee. And released Wednesday, the prosecutor overseeing the probe into Hunter Biden's taxes may have attempted to shield the elder Biden from Justice Department scrutiny. The Senate on Thursday opened debate on a bipartisan continuing resolution, a stopgap spending bill that would keep the government funded through mid-November, though the measure, which McCarthy swiftly rejected, will be dead on arrival in the Republican-controlled House. Meanwhile, in the late-night vote series, the House passed funding bills for the State Department, the Department of Defense, and the Department of Homeland Security though the bills represent just a starting point in negotiations with the Senate. House lawmakers failed to pass appropriations bills for the Department of Agriculture and the Food and Drug Administration. Those are my headlines for today. All right, so I've talked about NIL deals on here before, where college athletes can get contracts and, with companies for their name, image, and likeness. And there have been some really creative ones that we've talked about, but this week I may have found the greatest of all time. I'm excited. The Iowa Pork Producers Association awesome. has yeah. signed four Iowa State football players awesome. whose names are Miles Purchase, Tyler Moore, Tommy Hammond, and Caleb Bacon. Now, when they stand next to each other, and there's a picture, I'll show you this later, there's a picture of them standing side by side, and it reads out, Purchase, Moore, Ham, and Bacon. Oh, that's awesome. Pure genius. That's genius. That's incredible. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. Somebody deserves a pat on the back for that yeah, uh, creativity. Uh, also, the Cobb I'm going to buy some today just because of that. That's <laughs> yeah, incredible. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, the Cobb County Sheriff's Office is the latest to roll out the use of bowler wrap in an effort to restrain people from a distance. So basically, there's a Kevlar cord that shoots out and wraps around a person's arms or legs and has a range of 15 to 25 feet. Wow. Uh, the cord measures seven and a half feet itself and includes small hooks on the end that can attach to a person's clothing. Um, it's not hurtful or harmful, but it has a surprise factor to it. And it's another effort to try and provide police with non-lethal options to subdue wrongdoers without having to get too close. Yeah. A little video of it's pretty neat. It's kind of like something, you know, you'd see like on some kind of movie, like SWAT movie or That's not. wild. But, but yeah, besides, it continues to roll out to different uh, police stations and it seems like something that as long as it continues to be effective, yeah, be something they can use. Especially if somebody starts running off and they're like, Pew. <laughs> yeah, and 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 getting trained on uh, for police officers who have to get tased in their training, maybe maybe they just have to get wrapped. Yes, apparently that's pretty rough. Hilarious movie scene about that, but I won't say <laughs> from what movie. I'm aware of that movie scene. <laughs> how about we how about we let voice introduce us to our content? That's today? a good call. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your Attention, please. It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 
And I just want to say, like, uh, you know, how how dare you watch such a such a movie, you sinner? <laughs> but if anybody's paying attention, I knew that what that movie was as well. I just wanted to throw rocks at you. I appreciate for that. Bringing it up, it just bounced off back to you. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I'm rubber, your glue. <laughs> Whatever I say bounces off me and sticks to you, but yeah. that, and it bounced off you and stuck to me. It just didn't rhyme. That's true. That's okay though. So, I, so today, <laughs> so this is take three because Chris tried to baptize our ankles by spilling water on the floor. Take one, and then I jacked up the buttons on take two. So this is take three. So we're just kind of funny anyway. So this is take three today. On this is actually theology in the dirt number ninety eight. We're two away from our hundredth episode, which is pretty cool. That's cool. And today on theology in the dirt number ninety eight, we're going to talk about counseling for the Christian. Counseling for the Christian, and that title is important because. We're not saying Christian counseling because what we don't want to do is draw a line um, in counseling that God didn't draw. Now, I recognize on the front end, people listening to this were predominantly mostly going to be Christians, understand that. Um, And many of them have been skewed by internal debates about counseling, particularly if you've really, if you've dug into that world, you'll know this, this term, newthetic versus integration. And I think it's a fake argument. I don't think it's a real argument. Um, although it's made by very smart people, people smarter than me, that if they're in this room debating me, would probably have me in the corner sucking my thumb intellectually in about five minutes because they're smarter than me. Um, they've got letters beside their name. I don't have. They're super brilliant. And again, they and probably make me question my conclusions. But however, I have a wife in this world who has a degree. And so I'm well aware of the debate uh, uh, between newthetic versus integration. Now, here's why I think this is a fake argument. It's a fake argument because of the sacred-secular fake divide. There's no such thing as sacred and secular. Um, the Lord, when he created all things before the fall, made everything good. Mm-hmm. Sin happened and wrecked everything, but that didn't make everything instantly secular. Does that make sense? Right. Like It's not like sin drew this line between things and said, oh, oh, talking about how you feel emotionally is secular. Telling somebody they sinned according to the Ten Commandments, that's sacred. Nah, that didn't happen. And so there's no such thing. as. But that language in pop Christian culture just downloads to Christians, and we say it without understanding the implications of it, theologically and even biblically. And so, so what happens in the counseling world, there's this fake sacred-secular divide. And then we do it in Christian counseling, it's, it's played out in the integration versus newthetic. And newthetic, basically, and I'm going to probably grossly misrepresent Jay Adams, who's sort of the founder of newthetic counseling, uh, would say counseling is biblical and Christian only if it, it roots out of the Bible and is the source of the counseling. Integration says everything in created order is made by God, and if it's true, it's God's truth. It doesn't matter who discovers it, whether it's... Um, Freud or Albert Moeller. If it's true, it belongs to the Lord because we don't make truth up, right? Truth is right. revealed from God. Truth comes down from the Lord. He created all things. He called it good. And so if we discover gravity, which, oh, you talk about a physics episode, gravity, oh, gravity, wormholes, folding universes, time, gra- fascinating, like string theory and physics. Oh, my Lord. You, fun stuff. Different topic, right? But if the Lord created it and we discover it, we didn't make it up. Like we, you and me, we don't have the power to go exist and make stuff happen. That only the Lord has that power. Jesus, the Creator, spoke all things into existence. So if He spoke gravity into existence and we discover it, Newton discovers oh speed, rate, all this stuff. Newton didn't make that up. He just discovered what the Lord made, and we find that to be true. If we find uh, in the world of studying the human that we have a soul, like the Bible says we do, and that that soul can be ministered to um, as humans, uh, it's not innately evil to discover that. Right. Makes sense? And so the whole fake idea that of dealing with the human is a sacred-secular issue or inside the faith, it's newthetic versus integration is garbage. And so I hope that's not offensive to people, but my wife, my family lives in this world. We're well aware of the argument and personally are receptors of good counseling and good therapy. 
and hopefully give out good counseling and good therapy. And so, and so being in this world, I'm well aware of that. And so what I want people to do is not hear us talking about merely counseling inside the Christian world, but the fact that counseling and the ministry to the soul, the whole human, the body, all of us, is innately an ish, a theological issue um, that can be discovered, truth can be discovered um, by people all over the discipline. Yeah. And so counseling belongs to the Lord, whether it's engaged in by Christians or not. Right. It's the Lord's. Does that make sense? And yeah. I, want, I want to draw, I want to say this too. The, even, even the word psychology, this is a fascinating little thing. The word psychology literally etymologically means the study of the soul. Well, what's interesting is the discipline of psychology is currently ruled and has been ruled for the past 500 years or so by a philosophical presuppositional position that says we don't have souls right? because they're naturalists. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, as naturalists, there is no immaterial part to us. We're biological only in nature. And so the discipline of psychology has been taken over by people who don't even believe you have an immaterial part to you. So that's even stupid in of itself. And so even when we're talking psychology, even the word tips its hand to the reality that we are multiple in nature. Whether you say we're three parts or two parts or whatever, we we are immaterial and material, and those are so enmeshed that there's no neat line you can draw in that. And so, counseling belongs to the Lord, whether it's engaged by Christians or not. The Lord created the soul. Psychology is the study of humanity, really, ultimately. Right. And and I would argue that all humans can study that, and even even more so, um, the Lord has means of caring for the soul that pagans can discover, and, and here's here's a bold statement, and Christians should discover before the pagans. Yes. Why has this world of, of psychology and counseling been relegated to people who don't even believe that we have souls? Well, part of that is, is a result of some, some of the negative parts of the Reformation and focusing only on theological spiritual issues and leaving domains to the world and isolating ourselves from creation. And we let unbelievers have the world of, of all sciences, all governments, all of those things, arts, we hand it over just to do Bible study and hole up in Scripture knowledge. And not that Bible study and Scripture knowledge are bad. They're awesome. But so is the study of creation yeah. that we were given by God to manage and steward, including each other, human beings. And so so for for now... 500, you could argue even 700 years, Christians have disappeared from the public square, particularly the world of psychology and counseling, and abandoned domains to unbelievers. And thus, we majored in church growth, we majored in Bible study, and unbelievers majored in the discovery of God's world. And, and what they did was attribute the discovery of God's world to man, not God who created it. Romans 1, they gave glory to man, not God. And, and in themselves were hardened toward the Lord. And so they started worshiping themselves rather than creator Jesus. And now here we are inheriting that right. and wondering and then creating these fake things and, and separating ourselves from it. And so, and so what we're going to talk about today is, is counseling for the Christian. And, and, and we could even go so far as say just good counseling for any human being. Right. And I would argue particularly for the Christian engaging in the world of counseling, it's an opportunity to serve our world, but also it's evangelistic to point people to the reality that, hey, you have a creator and his name is Jesus, and he made you multiply complex and beautifully complex. And, and this is a discovery of who we are, who he made you to be, and, and how he can heal that, right? right. And so... How amazing is that? So, so th this will be a point. I think you and I will probably have have some places here we can really dig and maybe go down a rabbit hole here. But but counseling is really caring for the whole human being, body and soul, and the intricate connections between all of those, and they are multiple. Um, I'm gonna give you just some stuff, and then I, I want you to to go because I just really you have some good content, and I don't have any takeaways today. But you have a question that we're gonna kind of as your takeaway we're going to dive into. Um, too much time has been spent arguing among Christians about methodologies. Mm -hmm. And what we've got to do is stop arguing about methodologies and actually 
dig into soul care. Um, soul care is not merely a function of the elder body of a church. Now, you have a point about this, which is huge. We're going to talk about it further um, when we know when we need help. Uh, but I would argue that soul care is a function of the whole church, that every human with basic understanding of the human of humanity, study of humanity, the use of God's word, um, can do individual soul care as a whole fellowship. I'm I'm hundred and twenty thousand percent convinced it can be done. I receive it from friends. I give it to friends. Um, I just can't give it to everybody, and my friends can't give it to everybody. But if everybody has some basic understanding of humanity and the human soul and the human body and, and pays attention to this world and reads and studies, we, we can serve one another well mm-hmm. and, and do soul care that can be healing psychologically, physically, in all these ways. So I think it's possible for the whole church to engage in this. I do believe there are times where we clearly need outside help. I receive outside help. Um, glad to get it, glad to engage in it, need it, it's necessary. Um, so just a couple things, and I'm, I'm going to be quiet. Number one, the whole human being. When we're dealing with counseling for the Christian, we got to talk about the whole human being. It's, it's, it's physical and it's spiritual. Those are enmeshed and no neat line can be drawn between them. Mm. So we're dealing with biological things such as physical health and well-being, nutrition and exercise. One of the things I learned, hydration is key to mental functioning. If you live functionally dehydrated, it affects your mental capacities. It can actually affect your your thinking cycles because yeah. blood is flowing through your body at a slower rate because it's not you're not properly hydrated. And so electrically, your brain works on electricity. And if you're dehydrated, you are slowing down the function of blood and electricity in your brain. So hydration, nutrition, uh, your emotional health is connected to your cognitive patterns and your beliefs like thinking cycles, ruminating, negative thoughts, wrong thoughts, untruth. The Bible actually tells us whatever's good, lovely, right, healthy, all these things, think on these things. And and so therefore cognitive patterns. And then my theological beliefs and my beliefs about the world around me, those things matter in regard to my emotional health. Coping mechanisms, how do I deal with big emotions? Can I deal with big emotions? Do I shove them down until I reach my soul's capacity, which nobody knows what that is until they reach it and reach the breaking point. So being aware of your coping mechanisms, do you have bad habits that are actually covering up things that you need to deal with? Belief systems, do you have theological accuracy? What do you believe? What do you value? Spiritual practices, are you a prayer? And what's fascinating to me about the whole human being is it's innate and wired in every human because they're created in the image of God. And Ecclesiastes tells us that the Lord put eternity in every man's heart. There's no such thing as a person on this planet who doesn't pray. Yeah. Everybody prays. Atheists pray. Everybody prays. They have some method of connecting. The question is, well, who and what are you praying to, which is a whole different episode. Mm-hmm. But but those are whole human issues that affect the soul and the need for counseling. Then you got methods, cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, which is identifying changing negative thought patterns, the study of the soul, psychology, which is unconscious and unseen processes, past experiences and their effect on the present, mindfulness and meditation. Uh, the Bible teaches to meditate on God's word, meditate on truth, mindfulness, paying attention to the mind-body connections, like what are, how are my thoughts affecting how I'm feeling right now? That, that, there's a discipline to paying attention to that. And if you do that, it's crazy. You can sh- reduce stress. Uh, you can bring truth to bear on how you feel in the moment. All these things are possible. Uh, theological error and its effects on the human soul. Like, have I integrated my faith with good therapy? So what theological truths am I applying to my situation? Doesn't mean you're ignoring other parts, but it's a component. Do I believe the right things? And then addressing existential questions such as who am I? Like those matter. Like all Christians need to ask and answer the question, who am I? All humans need to ask, who am I? Um, why did the wise creator Jesus make me in Psalm 139 fashion? And and make those connections. And all these are part of good counseling. And I, I, I bring these up because I think all these are possible by everybody in the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Now, there are issues that we have to address outside of that. Totally get that. And we can talk about that in a minute. But this is just... For me, I'm word vomiting these things because they matter. Right. And so as we go through and unpack them, and as you guys are listening, watching, whatever you do, if you listen or watch, um, email and ask a question. It may be a good podcast episode to get down the rabbit hole of any of the things I've just said. I'll stop. <laughs> now, well, I think one of your early points, one of the reasons there's a disconnect between a lot of these things is the fact 
if we just take the word science, which we've talked about before, and there seems to be this, we've got to separate science from creation and from created order and from what God has made, when in reality, science amplifies creation, it amplifies what the Lord has made, and it, to me, it just accentuates his glory, uh, his majesty, when we look at it from that lens, but we don't, and we kind of say, oh, that's, you know, people, like I said, the I, don't, I hate using that term "secular world" too, because I, right. I think it, that's not correct. But it seems like non-Christians have a, have adopted science, and then Christians are just like, "Well, there's more than science," as opposed to these things exist together. Mm. And I think when we start talking about mental health or physical, any kind of health right. or things going on between body and soul, because they're connected, and you just address that too. That's not it's not soul and then body as right. two separate things. Right. Each one affects the other. That's right. You know, and if we just assume we're just a clump of cells in a frame made of skin and bone, then what? What are we doing here? <laughs> like, then we have right. no purpose. No purpose. But we 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 learn in the scripture we have a purpose. Our soul has meaning. Our our lives have meaning. But there's a f- effects through the physical part of us, just like there is the yeah. spiritual yeah. part of us. And so I just I kind of wanted to approach this a little bit. So bear with me. On. I'm going to talk a little bit about mental illness because I think that that will help set up some more of this conversation as we talk about counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to our friends at NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, here's just some statistics for you guys today. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. One in six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14 and 75% by age 24. Mm. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 through 14, which is alarming. That's alarming, yeah. Um, And here's a a part that I think these next two are really important. Only 47% of U.S. adults with mental illness actually received treatment in the last year. Wow. And people with depression, and here's where we talked about the connection between the physical and the mental People with depression have a 40% higher risk of developing cardiovascular and metabolic diseases than the general population. People with serious mental illness are nearly twice as likely to develop these conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot more stats, and I certainly you know go to NAMI's website um, if you're just curious about more. But I think most people get mental illness as common. It's often left untreated, or it's mislabeled often. Yeah. Um, or, or it's minimized, maybe, is a better way to say that as well. Right. Uh, and it's something not enough people are willing to to admit or get help for. So um, mm. kind of going back to the church or to Christians, and we we talked about this before, there's a stigma when it comes to mental illness and Christians, right? And right. there's, or, or in the church, it's something that's not talked about. It's not addressed, certainly not as common as it probably should. So I've kind of got, I've got, I think there's three primary reasons why this is an issue. I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, yeah. being in, in your role. Uh, one, I think many Christians are just they're just fearful of admitting they struggle with depression or mental health. Uh, there's this connotation for many that the struggle somehow equals uh, sin, or they're not trusting the Lord, or somehow it's payback for not following the Lord, or, mm. like, or maybe not payback, yeah. but it's a result of them not trusting, not following. Um, but it's it's very real and it shouldn't be ignored. Uh, number two, and and this one this one may step on some toes, but I think it's important to address. I think they're. I think too many pastors or church leaders taking on the role of counselor, which they should in some instances, but there are times where people need something deeper. And I think there there's this tendency to for a church leader or pastor to just say, well, let's just, you just need to pray about it or you just need to read your Bible. And, and that's not wrong advice at any time, but I think there are times where people need some really deep, have deep-rooted issues where they need a trained licensed therapist to help walk through some of those things and so sometimes it could be more harmful than helpful and again that's not to say pastors don't give wise counsel but sometimes people need more than that type of counseling and they need someone with the training and knowledge to help them dive deep into those rooted issues to help pull them out and and i think this is a a part where it's not to be counter counter to what you're saying but i think there could be some tension there that makes sense and so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that like as as a pastor who i know you counseling is a lot of what you do Mm -hmm. and and there are different types of counsel or counseling yeah so kind of how do we how do we differentiate from that and where is that point where people may need 
something deeper. Yeah, that's those are those are that's huge. I heard two things there, two questions. One is people ignore it, like not aware of it, and then what happens when it needs to go beyond counsel. I, I think what happens. One of the reasons this is so ignored um, is because a lot. A lot of what has happened in Western Christianity um, has been for quite a, a long time now due to multiple factors, uh, church growth, um, even theologies that are messed up. The church has been isolated from deep, dark parts of culture um, because of leaving it to unbelievers and coming out to places of um, uh, success abundance, so much of what we have dealt with have been people who have never had their teeth kicked in in any issue. Mm. Like they came from ease, they inherited ease, um, and they did not have to fight through learning emotional mental health where they knew what emotional mental health was. And and so it's ignored because they people have never had to struggle. And so it's easy to not see the need in other people. It's easy to not even see it as a need because you're just doing well. Right. And you're assuming everybody else is doing well. You're good. You have every opportunity everybody else has. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Life's good. What's wrong with you? Is is an is an awful lot of mentality inside comfortable evangelical Christianity. What you find when you step out of that is like life is not as easy for everybody as it might be for some of us. Right. Um, now, some of us were not we're not necessarily raised in easy situations and have had life kick us in the teeth early in life. Now I'm not going to unpack stuff. I unpack with my, my therapist right now because that's not appropriate, but I was not one who have been under any illusion that everybody's okay. Cause I wasn't okay. So I think it's ignored because people have never struggled. So people who never struggle, they just assume everybody else is fine and they should be fine. And mm. you believe the Lord and have faith and everything's going to be okay. It's just, and, and it feels bad to say this because people will criticize, but that's just garbage. Just believing is not the solution. It's right. a part of the whole solution, but it's not the solution because there are many people who've taken their lives because somebody told them to believe, they believed, and it didn't get better. So there you go. you got to deal with that. And so it's often ignored because people just never struggle. And and you mentioned Nami. We have a, an amazing couple, and I didn't ask permission to use their names. I'm going to put their names out for people to know. But if you're in part of our church, you know who they are. They 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 are the head of our Nami organization in in our our city, mm-hmm. and 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 really fight hard for the faith in that organization, and and do a fantastic job. Yeah. They might and actually be awesome to have them on here to talk about this, which we need to. <laughs> They'd be awesome to have on here. Um, to really unpack this probably more, but right. they might even tell you that until they began to struggle um, and their family was not aware. And so that struggle led them to get involved. And so people ignore it because they've never struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pastors, I think there's a, there's a place for all church members, but particularly pastors. Um, number one, recognizing real church ministry is not seventh heaven. I think that was the name of that show yeah. where the pastor, he was, there were met, it was Methodist background and he was basically a glorified psychologist. Mm-hmm was how it was presented. Um, that's not pastoral ministry. Uh, it, that's a part of it, right? but it's not the totality of it. But, however, I think it's important to recognize there is a place where all of us, not just an elder in a local church, but the whole church runs out of its expertise. And if you're in it long enough, you'll recognize, you'll begin to recognize when you can't do any more to help a person. And you, if you're aware of the brain-body connection, you're aware, you're aware of the physical and spiritual connection, you'll begin to recognize there are places where you need the medical world, you need some professional uh, psychologists to speak into things that are deeper and darker than you have the capacity to handle and, and just need other voices speaking in because it's a multi- faceted approach to a person's healing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so there's wisdom. First of all, I think here, here's what happens. All ministry leaders, I think all church members need to read a few books. And I'm going to give you a few here. I think Dr. Caroline Leaf, Cleaning Up My Mental Mess, is a key. It's relatively new, but Dr. Uh, Leaf uh, comes with a faith perspective, uh, clinical 
got all the letters beside her name, many, many decades of experience inpatient um, dealing with this, but recognizing that um, there's an awful lot of healing available in simply retraining the brain and regrowing neuropathways in the brain by using a few amazing tools to help do that um, and help healing. Dr. Caroline Leaf, Cleaning Your Mental Mess, anybody and everybody needs to get their hand on that book and read it. It's a game changer. It's a huge help. Um, multiple years of neuroscience and research is, is proving that out. And so it, it, it helps you understand all the elements in place. So read the book, and it, it's a little bit of a the front end's a difficult read because there's a lot of science. There's a lot of brain stuff and brain scans and, and a lot of neurology. But we need to know those things. We need to train ourselves to get deep into that world if we're going to be dealing with complex humans. So yeah. we've got to challenge ourselves to read. So read that and know. Uh, pick up some other things in, in the counseling world. Read Jay Adams. I don't agree with Jay Adams, but read Jay Adams. Read some people in the world um, who are integrationists in the Christian counseling world. Pick some good resources, read, and just be aware. And once we're aware, we can begin to recognize, hey, I cannot help you right here, but I'm going to help you get the help you need. And so it becomes yeah. an issue then of walking people into the right place to get the help that they need and, and then helping provide that. We have some great resources in our town, and, and I'll just throw their name. Battlefield Ministries is a fantastic resource. We have other counselors in our town who are not connected to Battlefield, who are Christians, who are integrationists, and and use a battlefields integrationist. They're they're going to use all methods in a holy manner to help bring holistic healing to human beings. And so go see them. That's where I go. And and we are part, we are we are recipients of the goodness of that right. ministry. Um and so pastors have to recognize when we step outside our world, and I would say they can deepen, all of us can deepen our capacity in that world, but we got to be willing to do it. And I will say this, it's challenging. Because I would just rather study my Bible and be a better preacher and know better theology. But what I've found in nearly 30 years, 29 years in ministry in the local church, if I'm going to be involved in the public square, I better know the public square. I better know counseling. I better know psychology. I better know government. I better know taxes. I better know nonprofits. I better know business. I better know some economics. If I'm going to bring the truth of God's word to bear on all domains of society like Genesis 1, 26, 28 tells me I need to. I need to know a little bit of something about all those things. So that we're going to have to learn to read broadly and have some base of knowledge so that we can not ignorantly tell people just believe more and that will go away because we're actually hurting people, not helping people if we do that. This will be kind of a weird example here, but I, so I had this conversation at work the other day. We somehow got talking about Gordon Ramsay and like Hell's Kitchen, you know, that show. Yes. And it always amazes me. Well, Brittany and I like watching that show. Um, I think he's just funny to watch, but it amazes me how many people go on that show and either have never cooked scallops, which if you've watched the show, you can't get the scallops wrong. Right. Or like they go to do their signature dish and they're using like canned like sauce or, you know, or like yeah. frozen pasta something like that where and i'm just like have you not watched the show before like why would you go on the show if you've never watched the show before right I, and the same thing happens in other reality shows like people go on survivor like watching survivor and i'm like like you have you not watched this why are you coming out so strong on day one you're going to get booted out every time new survivor season started wednesday by it the did way. i watched it it was it's gonna be good i love survivor you know and, and the girl quit day one i'm like did you think this was not going to be difficult so it's i say all that to say you yeah going into something where you haven't done any research going it's like going to a mission trip to thailand and you've never studied any thai culture or anything like that you know it's right. just that's not wise yeah and i think right. the same thing applies here absolutely um, you've got to do that due diligence and you mm -hmm. mentioned some great resources uh there as well and and kind of that was a that was a long second point of the three here the third one is i think a lot of times people have this notion of well i have the lord i have the holy spirit so why would i need counseling and I can understand that thought process, but I think also uh, the Lord gives us things along the way, and it's time, particularly in the church, that we start to eliminate that stigma we talked about that goes along with mental health and counseling, mm. and that realizing getting help is good, and, and yeah. it can bring great healing. And sometimes we're like praying, we're like, Lord, bring me out of this, bring me out of this, and he's like, well, I get, go over there. Like, here, here's here's right. what I, here's how I'm going to do that right. through this counselor it might be through a pastor mm -hmm. or an elder. It might be through a licensed psychologist. It might be through yeah. just a mentor or a friend 
And I think one of the things we have that's unique to the church is, and we talk about this a lot, is community. Yeah. I think there's great healing in community. That's not to say that's going to get rid of all your deep-rooted right. child traumatic issues in your life, but there are moments where we're struggling, and if we try to live those out in isolation, we are missing an opportunity for those who care about us, who live life with us, to minister to us. That's right. That's and right. and, and you, you know this because you've been in and out of groups just like we have been in at times. And when you, when you don't have that or when you're missing that, it's hard. And like it's yeah. just life's hard itself. But there's just a rich, right? I don't even know what to call it, just food for the soul, Absolutely. sustaining atmosphere or experience when you're living life with people who are checking in on you, who c- deeply care about you, yeah. who understand what's going on in your life because you've built that relationship and you trust them to share those things with them. Yeah. And then... And it kind of, it's a reciprocal. There's times that you need them more than they need you. Mm. And then there's those times where, hey, I need you right now. Yeah. And I think if we dive into that, and again, that's not to say that, and that's for different issues, but I I think it's just all that to say there are elements around us and we need to have, number one, an awareness of what those are. I think the church probably needs to do a better job of, and I say church in general, needs to do a better job of having resources to provide to people knowing their local resources, like you said, knowing what's available and what's good and what's and what are not disturb people. Yeah, that's right. And to be able to, and for, you know, whether it's a pastor, elder, or Sunday school teacher, or small group leader, to be able to say, right, I think your needs are deeper than what I am capable of helping yeah. you with when it gets to that point. Yeah. And being able to push people and say, hey, I, I know this is hard, but I encourage you to go talk to yeah. this person or just go call Battlefield Ministries because they yeah. can really help you with those needs. That's right. And I, knowing the difference, and I, I'm, I need to be very vague here. I need to be very, very vague here. But 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 knowing, and, and part of it is being aware, reading enough to be aware. Part of it is discernment in the moment. But um, you can call 988. Like if anybody's listening, there's two things here. If, if, if you're, if you don't have any connection to anybody and you, you pick up on this podcast and you listen to this and you're in a, you're in a bad spot, you're thinking about doing harming yourself or you'd think there's no hope. You can call 988 here in the state of Georgia. And I think other states around us, but I'm just specifically speak for where we are and you can get connected to help instantly. You can also call 911, but call 988 specifically for mental, emotional health. You can, you can get help. Um, start there. If you are, Inside a fellowship, call a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's two things that happen. There's a difference between somebody who needs institutional help immediately and somebody who thinks they do and don't. Right. And and you're going to need to be able to help them. Um, you're going to have to ask some questions um, because I've seen it. I've seen I've seen people go in when they called the number and they and and it was life saving. Yeah, they needed medical intervention. Uh, they needed chemical intervention, and it saved their lives. I've seen people uh, do that who didn't need that, just needed to work some stuff out verbally. Mm-hmm. But their soul was so full that 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 over and 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 I don't I don't know of another way to say I, I don't have words to communicate this. But until you've experienced your soul being overloaded, you don't know what that means. But if you've had, if you've been to that place where your soul is like it can't handle anymore, mm-hmm. it's just full. There's a feeling of desperation that comes with that. That is hard to articulate what that desperation is. It's a desperation that can lead you to think the only way out is hurting myself, or other methods of coping that can be very unhealthy, because it it's literally anguish. It, there's an anguish to it, and it's physically hurt like it hurts physically it hurts like until you get full you don't know what it feels like for the soul to hurt and that's weird and i I don't know any other language i don't have any other way to communicate it but there's sometimes our souls are just full it's there's an anguish and a and an aching to it that's physical and spiritual and doesn't feel like anything can help yeah. And so, and so, knowing that a person, we need to just dig into asking some questions and talking it out. And it's funny how the Lord wired the brain and the body that when you can begin to articulate deep things and deep emotions, it's like pulling the plug at the bottom of a tank that's full. It starts emptying, and your soul can start to empty, and you can feel the you get a yeah. deep breath. Mm-hmm. And when you get a deep breath, and then you can start breathing. And when you start breathing, you start calming that fight, fight, flees, and fall, fight flight, freeze, and fawn, 
And then you start connecting to the frontal part of your brain where you're thinking, and then your thinking kicks back in, and you're like, oh, okay. And But when your soul gets full, you're not thinking. Your inner part of your brain, your brain stem, stem that part the Lord created that creates it's good fear. It's, it's like you need to help yourself right now, or or you need help. Run. You know, the bear is coming. Get out. That's That's good. God made that. But when that kicks in and just stays in that loop constantly, and you're, you're not thinking, you're surviving, and and that's deadly. And so when we when it gets past normal places, and so when we can help somebody fix that, you don't they don't need to go into places where they unnecessarily get medicated. They're places mm-hmm. they need to be medicated. They're places they need to work some stuff out, and you can help them do that. And that that's part of reading some of the resources. That just if you read Leaf, just start with Caroline Leaf and go to her um, go to her bibliography. And just start picking resources. You'll be fine. I'm telling you, start with her book. Go to the bibliography and pick resources. The God-Shaped Brain will be a good one. You can Google that. That's, that, that's a good book if you haven't read The God-Shaped Brain. Um, so it's, these are there. Yeah, They're all there. And if you if you just do some basic reading, what you'll find is there's a way to help people. Knowing the difference between we need to get you instant help to ho- at the hospital or we just, we're going to talk some stuff out. And we're yeah. going to take all the time we need to do it. Just we're good. We'll get, some, we'll get some coffee, get a Coca-Cola, get a pack of crackers. We're going to say we're going to hydrate, and Coca-Cola is hydration. It's good. <laughs> Water's probably better, but we'll go with the Coca-Cola because this is Georgia, and that's what we drink here. Everything's Coke, including that water bottles of Coke. Everything's Coke. So we get a Coke, get some crackers, and we're going to sit, and we're going to work this out. And I think another addition here, too, is to realize that when you're, when you're needing help, this is not like a you just – you need counseling or yeah. community or talk to your pastor or prayer. It's a combination thing. You know, when I, yeah. when you, when you're cooking, for example, and you're trying to, you season something, right. You're not just dumping on just salt on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that might work, but it's not, you're not going to get the right, all the flavor out of there. You've got to have a good mixture of, you know, throwing some salt, some pepper, some, some, you know, oregano or some paprika yeah. or whatever it is that you're making. And you want to have a good balance there. And I think the same applies here. It's yeah. having a balance of, yeah, there are times you need more, but don't stop praying in the midst of that. You know, Jesus, yeah. Jesus says, you know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light and cast our cares on him. So he yeah. wants to carry that, but he also might be providing a, a tangible source for you to work through that as well. And so Absolutely. it's not an either or yeah. proposition. Yeah. I find here's a great help for me. I, I have this, uh, I laminate things that I want to keep because I'm not all digital. So I have a couple of laminated things in the back of my journal and they're eight, eight and a half by 11s. One of them is a, a quadrant of emotions. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you fear all, and fear has a bunch of sub things. And so what I do is, is in prayer, you're talking about praying. Mm-hmm. I, I, it helps me to be able when I'm praying and confessing to the Lord because confession isn't always like like telling God I sin. Confession is agreeing with the Lord about reality. Right. That's kind of what confession means. And and if it's sin, then you're agreeing with the Lord. Oh yeah, I reckon that sin. You say it's sin. I agree with you. It's sin. But sometimes it's just confessing the reality of the situation. And sometimes when I got big emotions, it's, it helps me to get my little <laughs> get my laminated because I struggle with recognizing emotions. I I don't like I have. That's another story. But anyway, I, I struggle like getting detailed on what an emotion, what that emotion is. I get my little chart out and I say, Lord, I'm really feeling anxious. And that's really a function of fear. So Lord, I'm kind of afraid and I'm not sure what I'm afraid of. Right. And, and I'm, when I can say that to the Lord, this is crazy hmm. how it starts to tame. Yeah. And there's even neuroscience behind, and Leaf talk, Dr. Leaf talks about this. There's neuroscience behind when you can state explicitly how you're feeling, mm-hmm. verbalize it, the brain responds by calming. Yeah. And so there's something to in prayer, particularly for the Christian who has the Holy Spirit. When we can say to the Lord by confession and agreement with him how we're feeling, there's something he wired us to work that way. And then with the help of the Lord, like it starts to bring things down because it, it there was a point, one of the people we were talking about earlier, and my counselor and my wife had to work together to decide whether or not to take me to the hospital or or work me out. And so <laughs> and so that was I tell that because I'm not making stuff up here. I had had to live that out and people have had to live that help me and I've had to help other people. And so that, I'm speaking from experience that when you got the right people diagnosing and helping the whole body coming together, we we can we can do well. 
Mm-hmm. We can do well and we can address these things. And there are ways to do it. But if we're ignorant of it and don't do some basic reading and research, um, we're, we're setting ourselves up to be victims of a world who've abused what belongs to God and belongs to his people. Yeah. And so that's why I say counseling for the Christian. Counseling is God's world, and it's our job. You know, what did the Proverbs say? It's, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and it's the glory of kings to search them out. We're kings. We're kings of the Most High God. We're co-regents, image bearers of the living creator, Jesus. And therefore, it is the glory of kings to go search out how to counsel the people of God. Why aren't we doing that? Well, that that... A great transition to my question for hey. you today, actually. So well done. I, I, I totally like didn't you've done that, that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here, so as I was kind of thinking through this, I was like, I think this is a question you could answer better. I have some thoughts on it, but it's really for you as a as a pastor, as an elder, um, and, and it's a little complicated. So bear with me here, but I, I think you'll understand what I'm getting at. So how can we, as a church or as the church, get better? at addressing mental illness and the need for counseling, uh, normalizing it, so to speak, and in also ensuring people are getting the help that they need. That's good. So it, re-ask that question throughout me responding because I didn't catalog everything. So, so re-ask it if I don't well, hit a part of it. I think, number one, um, we have to, number one, become aware. Our truth, the truth that, the whole human was created by God and we're complex beings. He created us complex that we did not evolve. We were not single-celled organisms. He created intelligent humans that were complex from the get-go. And because we're complex, multifaceted beings, we have to become aware of that. And in that awareness, study that. Dive into the research of what a human being is and from the Bible and from just good good resources that are available. We've mentioned some today, um, the God-shaped brain, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, clean up your mental mess. Again, follow her bibliography and the bibliography and and the God-shaped brain, and you will be good in good neuroscience and good theology. So we have to become aware. Um, And once we become aware, um, I think it's not hiding our experience. I think we got to be transparent. Um, And I hope I'm leading the way in that. I try to be, sometimes I'm uncomfortably transparent, even in the front (laughs) preaching because I've found that there's some of it selfish to be honest uh, because it's good for my soul to just let light shine on me not not to be seen no but so that you right. know you know that I know you know the depth of all this yeah that's good for the everybody to know man he's a he ain't got it together <laughs> you're right <laughs> and so um so transparent Tell them that, yeah, I've nearly had to be hospitalized and thank God for my wife and a good counselor and good church members who could tell the difference. Um, so, um, so transparency. Transparency allows other people to feel like, hey, I can admit I need some help. Yeah. And so if that guy needs help, then who am I? That doesn't mean everybody needs help, but People who do can feel comfortable. So I think when we can be transparent about our, our life and our experiences, people can say, okay, that's good. Then I think we need to um, really, really dive into emotional and mental well-being. And, and part of that is recognizing recognizing the brain-body connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mind is not the brain. This is huge. And when we start to realize the mind is not the brain, <clears throat> we start to realize that the brain can be and, and, and neuroscience, I'm not making this up. This is Leaf. All these neuroscientists can tell you this. The brain is plastic. Uh, it's like molten plastic to some degree, and it can be reshaped. It yeah. grows based, it's like a muscle. It grows based on how you use it. So you've seen somebody who, who they don't do leg day. They do a lot of upper body day. You've seen those pictures of like they're just giants up here and they got little bit sticks for legs. Yeah. It's because they've worked the upper body, not the lower body. Well, mm-hmm. the brain is that way. If you work certain parts of it, habitually the brain stem is bigger in people who live in a tr- like they've got a traumatic background their brain stem and all the parts of the brain stem where fight flight freeze and fawn happen is bigger than other parts of the brain where they think so they're not thinking mm-hmm. they're just living in constant reaction and so becoming aware that that um, my mental processes affect my actual physical brain is for me that was a game changer like I 
when I learned that, I'm thinking, whoa, so you mean I can reshape my physical brain? Yes. And I can train my brain to do different? Yes, you actually can. Now, I'm going to confess that's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. I would rather dig a trench around the earth with a toothpick than I would do some of that work some days because it is right. difficult. So I think when we can recognize the mental and emotional connection, like my 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 mind, my mental processes is not my brain. My brain is a receptor of what I'm doing immaterially in my soul. We're a long way down the road of getting help. And then recognizing those things and affect my emotions because my emotions are byproducts of that process. And so when we can start to learn that, man, we can start – Make some changes, and then I, then I would say this: we have to unspiritual. Um, this is going to sound fun. We have to. I don't know another way. So we have to defunkify the spiritual funkification we've done to counseling. Pete Scazzaro has helped me with that, mm-hmm. and realizing that um, my emotional maturity and my theological maturity are always going to be on the same plane. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if I'm going to grow theologically, I can't grow past where I am emotionally. Uh, and, and my well-being as a human being. So if I'm emotionally unhealthy, I will abuse my theology. And I can even use my theology to cover up for the fact that I'm unhealthy over here. Right. Say big things, big words, read a lot of books. and It's, it's what Scazzaro says, using God to cover up for these things. Mm-hmm. And so and so we, we start paying attention that God made the emotional, mental, and physical to coincide with our knowledge of him, we're moving toward theological maturity and human being maturity. And so those are ways we can begin to address that and pay attention to that. Actually, I'm reading through a Scazzaro book with some of the young men I disciple, and I'm going to offer it to some parents here in the not-too-distant future because I'm more convinced than ever that our health emotionally, mentally, physically is connected to our theological health. Well, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and so until we address that, we're not really going to grow up theologically. You, we might read a lot of books and know a lot of junk, but it's not going to affect our discipleship, and that's that's counter to why the Lord wants us to know Him. Mm-hmm. I think another component here, and, and and you can tell me, I think you'll agree on this. There's a there's an there's a result of self care that when we do that for ourselves, there's going to be an intrinsic opportunity to utilize that to help others yeah but there's also it puts up a blockade if we don't have self-care so we, we can't we can't help others through their hurting if we haven't dealt with our own and that's a phrase that you and i have heard a lot in the, some of the trainings we've yeah. had but i think that's important and, and not just for a pastor yeah. certainly pastors need self-care you need people that you can go to because yeah. if you're all constantly pouring out and giving and giving mm-hmm. at some point you run out yeah and absolutely. if you run out before you've started to replenish that, well, just like your car needs gas, you've got to have fuel as well. And I think so. That I, th- I say that to say, the Lord is going to provide opportunities for you to utilize the experiences that you've had in your life. And I say you, I'm talking about all listeners here. I understand. Um, to take that and have it influence and impact someone else struggling with something. But if you are not able and willing to deal with that, and to continue to pour into that to help self take care of yourself and get the help you need, it's going to be a lot harder for you in those moments to help yeah. someone else along that way. And that's not to put the burden on you to help someone. Yeah. But missing the opportunity is, is hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible teaches us to give up ourselves for the sake of others, but but that doesn't mean abuse yourself so that you're not able to help other people. So what we end up doing is we take, things like laying down our lives for others and and we don't pay attention to like to the fact that if you don't actually take care of yourself you have nothing to lay down right <laughs> and so and so what you what we have to do and and, and again we, we believe the bible is the word of god the truth and, and the truth of god it's it's god's revelation of mankind to know him know who we are know his mission and purpose and how to be saved and so um we learn in the bible um that um that he has principles for self-care. I mean, God himself sabbathed. Mm-hmm. He took a break. He stopped, not because he was tired, but because it's part of the nature and character of God to stop work. Mm-hmm. And so he built the Sabbath as an eternal statute. And Jesus said, Sabbath for man, man, not for the Sabbath. 
And so part of the way, so self-care is an issue. It's a Sabbath issue. It's an issue of being created in the image of God and imitating him. And, and, and we are idolatrous to believe that we should do enough. Our Christian work should just go on and on and on mm-hmm. without stopping. It's, it's human-centric. It's human worship. And we put the name of the Lord on top of it, and I think God's going to judge us. I think God may be judging us for that in some ways. He or or he he may be uh, the passive wrath of God may be poured out on us for the idolatry of not stopping in the name of ministry. How arrogant and horrible of us to ignore God's word that says stop, mm-hmm. stop, because He will make up the difference, and so we. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that some of what we're reaping is the idolatry of self and thinking in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to keep going. And so by doing that, we don't take care of ourselves and not taking care of ourselves. We're not fit to help other people. So some of it, some of us, we need to regain our own health by just stopping. Um, stop ministry, quit. And, and I don't mean like forever, but I mean for the next day, don't do anything for at least 24 hours. Stop. There's a great story. They were going west of the or- to Oregon, the Oregon Trail stuff, and, and there, there are two groups of people. There was, a, there was a Christian group, and they agreed early on that they would um, ob- observe the Sabbath and stop. And so on the way, some people started getting frustrated with stopping and needed, wanted to keep going. And so they had a massive come to Jesus meeting and and one group decided that they're going to continue to keep the Sabbath and rest. And others said, we're going to keep going on the Sabbath. Guess who got there first? The people who kept the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A. I mean, the bottom line is how does Chick-fil-A stay at the stop? How how do they stay at the top of the world of the quick food industry um, while not serving on Sunday? Could it, I mean, is it daggum possible that what the Lord said is true? So if we will just care for ourselves by stopping, um, the Lord promises he will make it up. Like all yeah. these principles that God teaches us, give and I will give back to you. Not not like health, wealth, and prosperity garbage, like a Malachi. Don't rob me, give. If you give, put me to the test. I'll, I'll see that you have everything you need. Um, rest, stop, and I'll see that the work gets done. It's beautiful. The Lord promises he will get the work done. And Sabbath is an acknowledgement that he's God, we're not. It's an acknowledgement that I am human and frail and I need to rest. Uh, and in so doing, I'm imaging for somehow the glory of God. And so if we just take care of ourselves, and sometimes Sabbath is it's stopping, but it's also recognizing I need somebody to speak into my life. I have nothing left to give. Right. So I need you to give to me. And I can say from personal experience, if you don't stop, the Lord will stop you. He will. And it's not pleasant. No. It's not fun. No. Um, and it's going to take a lot longer time to get going again if you are forced to stop. Yeah. it. it you, we can spiritualize working for the Lord and not stopping. Oh, yeah. And while in so doing, we're rebelling against the Lord. It's just... Yeah, so if we will just care for ourselves, we are better able to help other people care for themselves. There's a our culture is manically set on not resting, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I, I, there's a hundred ways we need to, we just, digital technology, audiovisual stuff that's constantly we need to stop from a lot of things, and we will find our souls will begin to empty. Yeah, and what will happen to the the spirit of God will fill those empty places, and there's healing to be had in that. Yeah, well, my and that just my only real takeaway today. I don't have a bunch of them. my only one is, if you need help, please seek it out. Yeah, and if you're not sure, talk to someone who can help guide you through that and help you analyze the situation to determine what Absolutely. your next steps need to be. I think we've given you a lot of resources today, so we don't want to hammer that home. But I, we just encourage you to do that. And if not, reach out to us. We'll either help you or we'll make sure that you get to the right place. Absolutely, hundred percent. Just remember, you can call nine eight eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're outside of our purview, if you're a member of our fellowship, um, your small group leader, uh, your elders, your ministry directors, reach out to somebody. Right. Um, we can help you figure out how to get the best help possible for yourself. But but know this, know this, the Lord can and will heal, and he's built processes for that. It's not just an issue of pray today. There are things you can do in addition. I don't mean that to sound like heresy. There are things you can do to manage your thoughts. Yeah. There are things you can do to manage your soul. Um, this is one of the beautiful truths. I have to remind myself this every day. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Mm. 
the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit, and part of the fruit of his presence is we can control ourselves. Yeah. And there are tools to that, and they just haven't been taught because we've left that world to pagans and relegated the Christian influence to just Bible study and church growth. Yeah, and it's time for that to, to die. Now, are we perfect at it? No. Am I perfect at it? No. Am I a learner? You bet. I'm in process. And um, but But we can... Hopefully that you've learned something today. We're passing on our learning to you guys. You got anything else? No, man, that's all. I think it's good. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. We are appreciative of you. Thank you guys who support the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to you guys who share. You can share the podcast. Uh, You can give it a five-star rating. Leave a comment. All that stuff is good. We appreciate it. If you have any ideas, things you want us to talk about, shoot them to us, theologyofdirt at gmail.com. See you next time. Out. Out.